This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My guests today are Dave Tech and Russ Frushtick from the History of Fun. My name's Charlie Hall. Today, we're talking about No Man's Sky next. You're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Today is a very special episode of Quality Control, at least for me, because we're going to be talking about a game that actually kind of almost spans my entire career here at Polygon.com, our our internet website, and that is No Man's Sky. I'm joined today by Russ Frushtick and Dave Tack. How you fellas doing? Lovely. No, I'm good. Now, the story of No Man's Sky, for me at least, starts way back in 2014 and and Dave that's when you and I were invited Mm -hmm. out to a hotel room outside the convention center at E3 uh, to to meet with Sean Murray who did his best to explain explain what the hell he was doing which which seemed Mm -hmm. from the outside bizarre do you remember that meeting and sitting on that little sofa there oh yeah yeah it was it's one of the E3 appointments and all of the E3s I've been to that I was most excited about because at that time, we just, uh, the only thing I think we had seen was the trailer from the Game Awards or whatever it was called at the time, and it was just this, like, beautifully, slightly abstract, evocative trailer from this company, this developer that, it was just this really small team. That used to do Joe Danger games? That was known what? for Joe Danger, exactly, <laughs> right. Like, it was... You know, and like the tease of it was that it was a whole universe uh, that they built, this tiny little team, and it was all procedural, and it was just basically, I mean, it was basically an alternate reality the size of a universe for you to explore, and that is sort of all we knew about it. And at this E3, which is 2014, you said, Charlie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lose track of time. Uh, it, it was... It was a chance to actually see the game and talk more about it. And that was um, super exciting. There was this moment in that original trailer where they they begin underwater and then they they come out onto the shore like creatures evolving from the primordial ooze. Then they turn to look at their spaceship, they get in their spaceship, and then they pull the stick back and they just go out in outer space. And it was entirely seamless. And, and it just blew everybody's mind. And, and what Sean was showing us there in that hotel room was the back end, right? The, the game was running on one screen and the code was running on another screen. And he just, he just moved through that universe casually. And he's explaining to us, well, it just, the, the planets, they just come out of the maths. They just form out of the void around you, out of the <laughs> equation around you. And they just appear procedurally as you encounter them. And, and we're all looking at each other like, what? Yeah, it's sort of a how is this even possible? And it's not like I don't think there's an easy explanation, but the easiest explanation I have ever heard or come up with 
is that it is based like No Man's Sky is basically the result of a formula that run like would produce the same results on everybody's console or PC, right? And like at, at the time, the the game that shipped that was No Man's Sky, right? It's like string theory writ small. It's very very bizarre. <laughs> but so 2014, they they blow out E3 with this demo, and then they they kind of go quiet, and it, it almost appeared like they allowed fans to kind of map their own mm. expectations on top mm. of the game as they were develop, developing it almost in secret. And when that game eventually came out, I believe it was 2016, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you're right. People were people were not happy with it. Russ, <laughs> what was that what do you remember that reaction as? Yeah, I do want I do want to mention so they they did show the game a year later at at E3 2015. Uh, it had made a lot of progress and they did do interviews. It was they didn't go dark. They didn't do a ton of interviews, but they did uh, several. And in those interviews, they basically touted features that would eventually not make it into the launch mm-hmm. release of the game. Uh, one in, big one in particular was them being kind of coy but basically saying that there was multiplayer and that theoretically if you knew where someone was you could walk up to them but the universe was so big it could never actually happen when in truth it was not in the game it just was not in the game and there were a number of things that they talked about having that didn't make it into the game and people were upset about that and rightly upset like i get it um you know, I, I think if they were more direct about what the actual game had, I think people would have been fine with it. But even outside of the promises that they made, I think the game at launch, while not a bad game, uh, didn't really... Uh, it, it was very easy to see the, the barriers of this game, which is to say, even though everything was technically infinitely generated and you could see all these different kinds of animals and planets and stuff like that, effectively what the end result was was that you there'd be like i would say 10 or so kinds of planets and sure their mountains might be in different places but by and large the mountain the planets were effectively the same ditto for the animals but you know there'd be like 10 there'd be like kind of an insect looking guy kind of like a dog looking guy and they might be smaller or bigger and they might have different noses but effectively they were the same and that sort of cut at the core of the game which was i'm going to explore this universe and see all sorts of amazing different things and that's going to be what powers me through but without the excitement of the variety and really without much else to do apart from just grinding for resources getting enough fuel to go to the next star system there just wasn't a lot there i remember distinctly one of my first experiences was with the game was was getting to one of these uh planet bases, planetary bases, trading outposts, right? And there's like six or seven landing pads there. And simultaneously out of the sky come three of the exact same procedurally generated starships with the same pilots inside. I'm like, that's not the variety that I was promised. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem came down to a couple of things, which is they didn't want to talk much about the game. Like they didn't want to give too much of it away. But a lot of what they said, well, not I don't even know if it's a lot, but some of what they said, obviously, like you said, Russ, didn't make it into the final game. And then uh, there are those first 
few hours with the game that are kind of, I mean, they are mind-blowing. Like, you can do the thing that you talked about earlier, Charlie, yeah. which is start on a planet and then just take off into space, and it's seamless, and you really do have a whole galaxy, but after a few to several hours, you sort of realize that they did build a, a universe. Like, that you can't take away from them, but they didn't give you much to do in the universe, right? And, like, they didn't manage those expectations. I think the game that, that launched, the game that they believed it was at launch or or could launch at the time, I, I don't know what that story is, was so, something of a casual game. In other words, the moment, what I realized, because I played a lot of it for guides at the time, what I realized was that when, when you started to put um, pressure on the game, I, I want to do this, I want to get to the center of the universe, I want to whatever, right? I'm looking for an Atlas Pass V3, what, whatever it was. When you, when you imposed that on the game, rather than just kind of hanging out and letting things happen, you, uh, well, you, you ran into problems because it was a ton of this sort of random generation where, you know, you're getting the same blueprints all the time. You're finding the same sorts of things all the time. So like there was variety. There's no question about that, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a particularly outside of the initial wow factor, a super compelling variety. And then, uh, you know, the, just the realization of what the basic loop was, which is, uh, I gotta mine these. Re- I gotta shoot rocks if I, if I want to be <laughs> slightly cruel about this. I, you know, you're mining resources to uh, to build up your uh, starship so that you can fly away and land somewhere else, so that you can mine resources, so that you can build up your starship, so that you can fly away, so that you can mine resources. And yeah. It just goes on like that. Now, of course. You know, there's the exosuit and there's your multi-tool and there's all that kind of stuff. And there was plenty of stuff to, do, well, like, and there you, you could just do that loop basically infinitely, but there wasn't much beyond that. And that was not, I think it's, I think that it is perfectly the problem that you both describe, which is, it was sort of like the pool of narcissists where where you could just pour in whatever you wanted in and, and believed that the game would be whatever that was. And it wasn't for I think a lot of people and number two uh I mean it's clear that they you know I I say clear but that's only in hindsight and I'm still guessing but Sean Murray isn't a liar he just you know he he and his team were not able to do the things that launched that evidently they thought they were going to be able to do yeah I I think he had an 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 intention of doing those things right and you wind up they wound up in like shipping this tiny studio shipping this immense game that had a lot of trouble at the start technologically and a bunch of patches and blah 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 and they wind up in a position where like there's youtube supercuts of like sean murray is a liar kind of stuff yeah it it got it got wild the knives came out early and they stayed out for a long time there were there were tens of thousands of negative comments on steam right this is where we we first developed the concept of steam bombing a game was around no man's sky. It's a it's a common practice now, and and Steam has gone so far as to adjust how they even organize and surface user reviews because of what happened to no man's sky. And so now it comes to this week, fellas, and the Hello Games team 
went back and they spent literally years revising and reworking and sticking with this thing. And now we have a free update called No Man's Sky Next. And, and the three of us have been playing it for the last couple of days. Russ, uh, you're going to be putting up what is effectively a re-review of the game on Polygon. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we talked about the lack of things to do in the world, and I think that's one of the things they've definitely improved with this update. And and not just this update, but uh, free updates that have come, come since 2016. They've released a number of them. Next is the largest of them, but they in previous updates, they've added stuff like base building, um, freighter trading, and stuff like that. So they've added a number of these things that have given you more outlets to spend your time. With Next, they sort of brought them all together and refined a lot of stuff. So, um, you know, certain resources are easier to gather and collect. Um, and uh, you can play the game in third person now, which is like a huge, huge improvement. Really the only way that I would recommend people play because it really gives you a sense of like place and scale. And uh, it's like very neat to like see yourself walking on an alien landscape. So they've added a number of new things. The, the biggest one is probably multiplayer, which they've officially 100% added now. It is not BS. Um, I was playing it literally a half hour ago. Uh, it, it works as advertised. You can travel around the galaxy with up to three other people and do missions and collect resources and do everything. You could build a base with someone else. It really is genuinely a multiplayer game. And, and, when I think about like people claiming that like his, he lied um, and that there was no, no way this game would ever have supported multiplayer, I can't fathom that they would have built a game in such a way that like you couldn't like it's very difficult to build a game and then add multiplayer after the fact. It's extremely difficult, maybe impossible. So there was something in the code that allowed them to pull this off. But obviously, it took a lot more work than they thought it was going to be. So now it works, and it works quite well. You know, there's some weird stuff where you, you know, don't share resources. So it's kind of like a first-come, first-serve situation. But I understand that. Uh, it makes sense. And and it just does, it, it feels like they're much smarter about giving you directions, little mini-missions that will give you uh, resources to upgrade your multi-tool or your ship or whatever. So it does feel like you have more options. So I want to talk about those missions real quick, because in, in the original game, I spent a lot of time going around and stumbling upon structures that would allow me to add storage to my exosuit, that would yeah. allow me to uh, add features to my spaceship, right? But you would just kind of, you would show up at there and you'd take the thing. It was, it was just as long as you could find it and there were ways to to gin it up so that they would appear right you, you would get all the the slots that you needed to maximize your output as it were but in, in addition to that there were these little quest lits that you would stumble upon you have to repair the reactor you have to clear away the goo but but they were they were just as coy as any interview that that Sean Murray himself did they they were incongruous they were not um, connected in any way. They did not contribute to advance the story forward. They were just these like little fortune cookies that you would open and then mm, throw, throw the paper away. So how have they added to the narrative, to the quest line as you've experienced it so far? And, and what have they done with these little missions that's so interesting? There's a couple of different things they've done. And and I'll, I'll talk about one and maybe you, you can talk about the other, Russ. But um, 
the space stations are, are probably the first thing you'll see because when when you if you're say uh, loading from an old save like I did, you'll uh, you'll find yourself in a space station because uh, you know I imagine they had to sort of reset and reconfigure the universe so you couldn't stand on the planet you were on when you left, and the space stations are vastly different than they were. They were they were like a lot of No Man's Sky sort of sparsely populated little things where where you could do uh, you know a handful of stuff. It was they were now, death star sized structures Dave with one yeah. door, two rooms and maybe a <laughs> yeah. dude inside yeah. there. That that was a space station. Yep. And uh that it is the opposite of that in No Man's Sky Next. Now some of this I'm not entirely sure which of these changes came in which of the updates and which is absolutely brand new. But if you, you know, hop into No Man's Sky today, you'll get the next update for free. Um, and you uh, go to a space station and it is a, it, it's like you would imagine a space station would be, which is a hub of activity. There are uh, vendors there for your exosuit, and your, your exosuit, your uh, multi-tool. And yeah, your exosuit and places you can buy upgrades, uh, new kinds of currency, all, all of this stuff. That you actually would, I think, reasonably expect on a space station. Uh, more to the point here, there are also, it's like a guild, basically, that, that yeah. uh, where you can, you walk up to an NPC and you choose some quests you want to do. Go kill sentinels on a planet. Go warp one system away and deliver this message. And and those are, that, that is the connective tissue that No Man's Sky at launch was missing, right? No Man's Sky at launch is this game where you just kind of hang out and and do things. And like I said earlier, if you apply your own sort of thing to it, it kind of breaks down. No Man's Sky Next, as it exists right now, is there is a ton of stuff available to do. So you don't have to make your own story yeah. exactly, right? Uh, there is a campaign, and maybe, Bruce, you can talk about that. But like in between all of the other stuff, you don't just arrive in a solar system and go scan some planets and, you know, again, shoot some rocks or whatever. You can. That's absolutely, like, they didn't remove that part of the game. You're not always pushed to something. But now there are logs and missions and, and side quests and things you can do like that. So it makes No Man's Sky feel, well, the, the, the problem with the original game, right, was that it felt like a giant universe that was sparsely populated. The The thing that I think most impresses me about the next update is that it doesn't feel sparsely populated. It feels like it is a, a a hub of activity and there are things you can do. You don't have to just choose. You don't have to just make up your own things to do or shoot rocks. You can go find stuff. I want to do something different right now. So I go talk to this guy and I accept quests and I go do that. And it all sort of feeds in on each other. And I think the final part of what I wanted to say is that and I haven't dug, you know, I've only been playing it the last couple of days, so some of this may be subject to change, but a lot of the randomness, it's not as if it's all sort of hand-drawn and hand-crafted, like that that sort of procedural element is still at the heart of No Man's Sky, but I spent what I swear feels like at least three days just playing No Man's Sky in at the end-ish of 2016, trying to find what I mentioned earlier, which is an Atlas Pass, like, you know, level three. And it was, there was just one thing you did. You could find them in these places 
and they will just randomly generate, or you'll get a blueprint for the 747th time because you already had it, right? And now that now an Atlas Pass is just something you can craft, right? Now now these things like they're it's not it doesn't just rely on go to planet, hit the scan button, go to this installation, to this little thing, this little thing, this little thing, and cross your fingers that you you'll get something that you don't already have. The system is it seems to me redesigned to make actually getting stuff easier and clearer and more direct, which erases at least at this point the frustration. Yeah, it definitely gets rid of the like aimlessness of it, which I really like, and it makes um, advancing your character a lot easier, which I really like. I would say, though, and this is like the biggest caveat that I have, there's really two big ones. One, uh, I think for people that have never played before, good good, good news, because you're absolutely playing the best game of this, uh, this like version of the game is far better than the one that came out in 2016. Um, it's still very grindy, and this applies to both old uh, players and new players. The game still suffers from a lot of like very bizarre design decisions that have not been really alleviated fully. Give me an example of some of those. I'm very curious. An, inv- an example is just the, the inventory system alone is very cumbersome, and you'll instantly find yourself running out of inventory space and you don't know what to get rid of because you have all these items that seem like they're valuable, but what if you I don't, need it twenty minutes? What from if you now? need it? Right, exactly. And how about that rusty metal? Should I be getting rid of that rusty metal that I'm picking up? Every I've day? been getting rid of it. I don't know. Maybe it's the key to the galaxy. Who knows? <laughs> and and that's not a good experience. Now there are ways around that. Um, you can go down this path to get a freighter, and the freighter has storage, so you use the freighter as almost like your house in Windhelm if you've played Skyrim or Wind, whatever it was called, if you played Skyrim. And so like that is okay, but you're still like every time you go to a planet, you're still like, okay, I need this thing. And then I need this thing to make this thing. And then this thing goes into this. It's just like very kludgy and not the experience, not what they really nail, which is just like this level of freedom and go wherever you want. Like, uh, the fact that when I land, let's say I land by accident on a planet, oh no, I'm out of fuel for my ship thrusters, which means I can't take off again until I run around and shoot rocks. Like, that's still in the game, and that's crazy to me that that's still in the game, because it just is like the total antithesis of fun. And if they would just alleviate some of those things, I think the game would be a lot better. They've improved stuff like storage and, and other options, but still, the core of the game still involves shooting a lot of rocks and it's still not fun to stumble around your inventory to like make sure you have the slots to build this thing that shouldn't take three or four steps you should just hit x build fuel if you have the resources to build the fuel but no the fuel requires this part and this part and you need to put the parts together it's just like very silly to me well i started uh, my old save right because i I didn't want to throw away the stuff that i'd gotten even if i didn't remember exactly what i had i uh, you know i didn't want to throw away my credits or my ship and uh it was it was a good day of playing before i really got into what no man's sky next can offer because i think the worst thing i could say about the game frankly is that it like every everything is like 473 steps away it feels like like yeah okay well i i uh, the Atlas update brought a, an actual campaign, right? And as soon as I leave the space station that I started in, 
after the update. It asks me a question whether I want to just explore the universe, in other words, like No Man's Sky 1.0, or if I want to follow a path. And I said, I absolutely want to follow a path because I've done it the other way and I'm not interested yep. in that anymore. <laughs> and, it, and it immediately spawns this thing in front of me and tells me that's my waypoint, go there, that's the beginning of the campaign. And I'm like, yes, perfect, this is good. And so I go in there and I talk with Nada and Polo, who I hadn't thought about in two years, and uh, I leave there and like I have a very clear next destination, like a campaign would. But <laughs> my ship was full of outdated material yeah, and uh, a lot of stuff was broken. And I had to spend, like I said, about a day worth of playing, several hours worth of playing, like going around to planets to find in, in the solar system because I couldn't warp away because one of the things that was broken was my warp engine and I didn't have warp fuel. And so I had to sort of reacquaint myself with that loop of landing on planets and shooting things and gathering stuff. The worst part is when you're like, I just want to build hyperfuel, but it turns out to build hyperfuel, you need to build uh, a container. And but to get, build a container, you have to build two other things. Yeah. Then you have to build another thing, and like it's just it, it's not infinite, but it feels frustrating because like I have a destination, I have a thing I want to do, and I have to stop and do this other stuff. Once, if you can make peace with that, you can have a fine time with the game. If you can't make peace with that, you're going to have a problem. To the game's credit, it does one thing I think better than it ever did before, which is you can hit a button. Uh, for the thing you want to build and then look in a menu and it will tell you exactly what you need so it's not yeah like oh god the like the worst times i had in the first game uh you know other than going from place to place to place to find that atlas pass was like i just needed this one element and i knew it was in an asteroid field but i didn't know if it was in this asteroid field or or one between another planet or in another system but like at least the game now doesn't it doesn't hold your hand certainly if you've played uh, you know if you're starting from an old game you miss a lot of the new stuff but it at least tells you the general vicinity or the uh the ingredients and then if you sort of dive into the menus a little more it'll show you like where you might find those ingredients not not to lead you there directly but it does sort of sand off some of the rough edges. Russ, you played it from the beginning, right? Like th that's a much different experience, mm, as far as I can tell. It's different. I wouldn't say it's much different. Different, I, they from, do, different from mine, I think is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. They do a much it. better job introducing the idea. I, that's why I say like someone that's never played it before will have a much better time, is because they do a much better job introducing the systems, really taking you by the nose and saying like. This is how you find this resource, and this is how you refine it, and this is how you do this, and this is how you do that. It's like very, very direct and obvious. Whereas when the game first launched, it was like, you need Heridium. I have no <laughs> idea what that is. Good luck. Yep. Uh, so they, they do a better job of that, but I wouldn't say it's dramatically different. You're still basically doing the same stuff. You're still repairing your ship mm -hmm. and all that stuff, but it, it, they do a better job presenting it, I should say. The, the thing that struck me the most, and I... I also started from scratch basically in a new save slot was just how the game presents itself though too right when you when you first boot it up you've got an option to go into you know one of three different difficulty tiers of the survival mode effectively but there's also a creative mode effectively you can just go in there and tool around and there's and there's really yeah. no risk you don't need to to get oxygen for your suit you don't need to get uh sodium to, for your environmental systems, mm. right? And it's a much more easy roam around, do your thing sort of mode. Haven't touched that one yet though. Um, 
But also, once you get into the game, you know, you're building effectively a furnace, right? That you put resources and fuel, and there's outputs for that, very much like Minecraft. And yet, Minecraft uses this paradigm, well, I'm going to turn sand into glass. I'm going to turn wood into planks. I don't know what the hell any of this is in no man's sky yeah. what's wait, where am i gonna find plutonium where am i gonna get heridium why is there just a flower that's salt like i the there is an internal logic within no man's sky right now that is better than it was originally it was completely bizarre originally um, they're using words like alkyne that did not have any bearing in the chemical makeup of its ph right it, it didn't matter they just chose the word at random but now it it feels like there is an internal logic there but it is still there's a veil in front of it and people need to unpack it and learn it and there's there's a vocabulary that no man's sky has it's better than it was but it's still not as transparent as something like minecraft yeah and i would also say with regards to the creative mode like you're right you can just build everything like instantly you have all the blueprints and everything. You just go nuts. But I think with the second that you remove any sort of barrier at all, the game becomes very unsatisfying because yeah. it's like, why bother at this point? Because honestly, like even still, even though the planets are more varied than they've been, there's still at this point, it feels like there are 15 types of planets instead of 10. So, you know, if you wanted to like, have a blast like warping constantly like 10 times in a row and seeing all the planets i don't think that would be a very satisfying experience so this satisfying experience could be building a base or whatever but again like if you, with infinite resources and infinite health there, there's like no stakes there's no tension so you don't really feel like you earned anything it's like a fun sandbox to tool around in and people might enjoy that but i don't think that there's much meat there to be honest what i'm so excited about though is this multiplayer aspect of it when the game first came out i bought it on pc and on ps4 and and i actually returned the ps4 version if only to to figure out that sony would allow you to do that right there's this big wave of returns but i'm actually yeah. going to pick it up again on the playstation 4 uh right after we get off this this conversation because i'm looking forward to playing with my friends i got a i got a date with my friend liz this evening actually we're going to go out there and and explore the stars together. I can't wait to make an a weekly event of it and of going out with her and just looking around the universe and, and, and creating our own story. But to that And hey, speaking of weekly events, Charlie, that's something that's going to be in the game. Oh no, see, I haven't heard much about this. Have they announced anything about what those weekly events are going uh, to be? No specifics as far as I'm aware. At least as 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 of the time we're recording this. One caveat I will mention though that I was getting to space combat along the, the couple of year journey that Hello Games has been on, they've very much improved space combat. And, you know, you can fly lower to the planets now, but who, buddy, is the control of that fighter plane on the PC not fun? I would just recommend strongly using a controller, even, even if you're on PC. Oh, yeah. If you use a controller, it's totally fine. Yeah. But the mouse, key, mouse keyboard controls are frankly terrible and shouldn't be used uh, for for walking around they're adequate but for flying they're completely bad i i yeah. do a lot of space combat and they're just not up to snuff maybe there'll be a patch for that maybe god forbid i'll be able to use a flight stick and throttle give me some of that hello <laughs> games but not this week uh, i'm actually going to downgrade and, and downgrade downshift and go with the ps4 version only uh you know because of that uh, community aspect and so that i can use the controller exclusively 
Russ, what are you what are you most excited about seeing in the game as you continue to play it? What, what's your next step? Yeah, I want to dive more into the freighter stuff. As I understand it, the idea of a freighter is that it kind of gives you this portable base where you can do a lot of the like drudgery without having to constantly go from planet to planet. Um, so I really want to dive deeper into that stuff and then just see if there's more of this campaign. I, I did the original campaign that was in the game at launch, which mostly just involved going to these weird large rooms with orbs in them and talking to an orb. Um, I'm hoping that there's more here. I haven't seen it yet uh, beyond like, again, holding you by the nose tutorials about like how to build a base and how to do this and how to do that. So I'm hoping there's more, but sort of TBD on that one. Dave, where are you headed next? What's what's your journey going to be like? For a game that I basically had no desire to play after I got done playing a ton of it and writing a bunch of guides about it, I'm pleasantly surprised that I'm having fun back inside of the game, sort of poking at it and figuring out what makes it work and how it works. And then I'll be writing a ton of guides for that too. What I guess I'm most interested in is, you know, like the the sort of not exactly official goal of the game at launch was to make it to the center of the galaxy. And that took a lot of time and a lot of work. And uh, it was supremely disappointing uh, when when you got there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just it essentially reset the game. And you started again in what was technically a new galaxy, I think. Uh, yeah, you're right. We did, no one really knew what exactly they were doing <laughs> with, quote, a new galaxy. Right. It suffered from the same, I think, complaints that the first galaxy would have suffered from, which is, well, one planet's as good as another, basically. But now that they've had... I, I am not surprised in, in any way that this is the state of No Man's Sky today. That is, from when we talked about them in apparently four years ago in 2014 it seemed to me that this was a game that they were in for the long haul right like game as a service is a thing that 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 doesn't quite describe it but kind of frames it in the right way Mm -hmm. by which i mean like they're just committed to this game and to updating it and making it better and like any game some people are going to bounce off you're going to have your sort of hardcore players who've stuck around for a very long time because they love it and i think this sort of represents the game that they really would have rather launched a couple of years ago and i want to know what it's like like is the campaign i know there's a campaign and i'm doing it is it good is it worthwhile is it interesting at what point do i become bored with like the crafting if if i do it all like it, it in a way that like I said, I hadn't been interested in playing for the last couple of years. I got back into it and I spent that first sort of frustrating several hours just building up my stuff and, and being able to move. And then once I started moving, I started having fun. Like yeah. I, I, there, there's something, even when it's, sometimes even when it's monotonous, it's it's kind of fun to, to hang out there and, and do these things. The people I've talked to who do play this game and have played this game for the last couple of years, not n- nobody hardcore, but they like it because they don't have to worry much about mm. it, right? They just go in and sort of zone out and do their thing and move on. And and the I am at that place now, and I have no idea how long that yeah. zen will last. That's that, and I want I want to find out because I, I I find myself. Wanting to play No Man's Sky again. 
it's it's a remarkable turnaround that this game has had to hear that two years on after original launch is is just that it's remarkable thank you guys so much for coming on the show today to kind of tease this out i'm excited to hear more about your adventures and and read your guides and see your re-review russ uh when it's ready here in the next few days and thanks to you at home for listening um we've got a lot more on no man's sky at polygon.com today including ben kachera's opinion piece about the second coming of no man's sky but also just this morning i came across an, a remarkable twitter thread did you guys know that there's a new alien life form that has been yeah i fought it this morning it was terrible <laughs> oh, the, the uh, those are the eggs, the eggs the, yeah i'll yeah. link to uh, a first contact twitter thread uh, a story that I wrote about that this morning about that new alien life form there in the show notes. But thanks to you at home for listening today. When we've got another game to talk about, we'll do it here on Polygon's Quality Control. Hey, listeners, Charlie Hall again real quick with a quick post-show note. If you're a fan of Polygon, you probably know that we're one of many sites here at Vox Media. One of our sister sites is Vox, V-O-X. Vox has a new show on Netflix, of all places. It's called Explained. Now, every week, it's a 15-minute deep dive into one important topic. And this week, well, this week, that's weed. I got an early preview of that show, and I think you'll find it just about as fascinating as I did. You're going to learn things about, like, well, how humans began to engineer cannabis and what that means for the people who use it. Why marijuana confiscated in the U.S. is three times as potent today as it was in the mid-90s and how all of this fits into the American war on drugs. What's nonsense? What's not? There's also some terms that you might have heard. THC, CBD, indica, sativa, flavonoids and some fundamental misconceptions about what those terms mean. So go check it out on Netflix. While you're there, also check out their eSports episode, an outstanding 50,000-foot view on what eSports is and what it means, well, what it means to people that aren't folks like us that are so entrenched in the gaming culture. It's an excellent piece of perspective. Go ahead and log into Netflix, search for Explained or Vox, that's V-O-X, or go to netflix.com slash explained. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 